Welcome back to the 10th episode of Reproducibility. I'm Amy Auburn. I'm here in Oxford with Sam Parsons. Hello. And Skyping in from Amsterdam, we have Sophia Cruvel. Hi. And we will be talking about the second issue of leaving academia. So we didn't get through everything we wanted to talk about. Um, but I guess we also wanted to talk a bit about our last episode um, and some comments we got because it's it's been quite a busy week with our uploading of our Do You Know We Love the Open Science Community episode, hasn't it? That's actually within a week has become our most listened to episode. Like not in a braggy way, but <laughs> it has. So yeah. Yay. <laughs> Well, it's mainly because of some uh, shout-outs we got, probably. Well, yeah, that helps. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Some very kind shout-outs. Yeah. That we're basically now shouting back to. Is that how this works? (laughs) Yeah, something like that. But I I really liked last week because it was... Or last week's episode, just purely because I think it's something that doesn't get talked about enough. And it's definitely, I, I started to feel a lot more over this last week or so, like Amy was saying, that you kind of almost don't want to even start getting involved because there's just these constant pylons at the minute, um, mm. which is kind of, it's difficult to engage in, I think, because it there's just this kind of barrier, I think, in a lot of uh, interactions. And I don't know if you, if you saw this, Amy, but we had some very nice advice to our Twitter account regarding um, when, so, so you said something like, um, you know, sometimes you just want to disengage because it's not worth mm. it. And we got some nice advice, which is basically saying, well, yeah, um, you should, <laughs> like, if, yeah, you should only go so far as, as you're, you're happy to go. And then if, if it's getting too much, then you can always stop because mm. at the end of the day, sort of your mental health is more important yeah that's fair enough well that that's very nice to hear. um yeah i like i like the dramatic music that our podcast was set to it came out near halloween so oh <laughs> i was like for a second i was like am i listening to the right podcast <laughs> is this my podcast oh, I, i've just started playing with the music more it's also a good way to tell I if really you like to that... listen to check the edit <laughs> <laughs> I really like how that sort of coincides with the sort of general revolution sense of that last episode yeah, yeah. no it was it was good um, yeah and I think it's nice to to get that that sort of feedback so um, yeah if there's anything we're still looking for you know if we if we could have done something better or if we we didn't represent a view that you have or that you know that somebody else has you know it'd be really interesting to hear those so do keep the comments coming because naturally this is three people can't represent the huge range of views that there are about this this subject matter but I guess we hope to represent ours in in a good and open way um so it was nice to get that that input Cool. Well, I think let's talk a bit about leaving academia again. For for those who are new to the podcast or who have not caught up on 
everything that every single episode we took out a um we sent out a survey on twitter um and through other channels trying to reach people who have left academia mainly because we felt like there's a huge survivor bias in the um advice that early career researchers get often in the department you feel like the only advice you do get is from tenured professors um or from disillusioned postdocs <laughs> so um naturally as as researchers why not go out and and do some research ourselves so we got a lot of very interesting responses and in our first episode we went through a bit of the reasons why people left academia um and whether they were happy that they left um i think it was a really interesting discussion there was a lot broader range of reasons why people left than than i would have thought really um but now we're we're looking towards the last few questions that people answered which included what is your advice for current early career researchers um which i think will be very interesting to to think about because yeah we we you don't really get that advice often you often get yeah the very biased advice of people who actually made it so. yeah and i think it's what i found kind of interesting is that there is a bit of overlap between the sort of advice that some people gave with the sort of advice that I think even a lot of academics would like to give their previous selves, um, whether it's because there's always the chance that you'll leave or even just so that you'll actually just be a better researcher in some cases. Mm. Um, so like this, in the skill development sphere, for example, kind of crosses over both. Um, what, yeah, have, what do you mean with... Yeah, that's fair because, I mean... Go ahead. No, because I, I, I assume that's because, right, I mean the one advice that sort of everyone gives you no matter you know if if, if they're a tenured professor or someone who's uh, very happy to have left academia is constantly skills um develop, develop skills make sure that i mean one of the people who um who responded to our survey said something that, yeah um like side hustles actually okay well uh, never make yourself a one-trick pony. Mm. Um, so, like, that is important to invest in in, in other skills. Yeah, and um, somebody else in said order to grow as a person and learn transferable skills, no matter where you think you'll end up. Yeah, which is, but I think it's so key because I often find like even in our department they do emphasize skills development, but more in like a kind of we know we have to emphasize skills development. So go and do it yourself. Go, go do it. But yeah. like something that I think has really changed the way that I view my PhD in the last one and a half years was that seeing it as just a time to develop skills. And I think oftentimes people are so stressed or pressured to write papers. And I'm in that currently now as well, that you know that there are some key skills that you should be learning. But instead you're like, oh no, but I need to make these edits or I need to write this chapter. Um, and all of a sudden you seem to have no more time to develop skills. I don't know. Yeah. Well, even... Yeah, I think we've had this in a previous episode, right? I, where at some point, surely, where we've mentioned that um, PhDs are meant to be apprenticeships where you learn stuff and that, that, that you can't really properly square that with the, the pressure to publish at that stage already. 
Yeah. Well, and also, I, I guess, whether you want to stay in academia or want to go into industry, there, there are some compatibilities in that sort of the, the degree alone is kind of meaningless after a certain point, which is maybe overly negative. But say, so I, I've got a few undergraduate students that are interested in going into clinical psychology, for example. And the minimum requirement is an undergraduate degree in psychology. The problem is that's what everyone has, right? If you apply for a postdoc, everybody has a PhD or is very close to completing a PhD. <laughs> um, so the way to enhance prospects in that, or if you're looking to go into data science or uh, management or whatever, is to develop those skills outside of just being able to say, I have degree X title. But then if I can be a devil's advocate here, like if you're you're telling me now that like I'm applying for jobs and there's kind of 200 people applied to one position and in the end, what they'll be looking at is the papers I have. Yeah, that that's where it's different. But again, I think that's where some of this advice comes in in terms of if all that you focus on is papers, then leaving academia is hard, mm. right? Because having one or two papers might look really good but having 20 30 papers and i don't know you you can't do xyz because you've not done the school development might actually make working outside of academia at least in kind of higher positions quite difficult i think also also hope go ahead yeah also hopefully that kind of thing is not going to be like that forever right i mean i I, I at least see it as a side effect of um uh, science becoming more open, more rigorous, that this idea that it's all about uh, the papers that you already have will become less and less important, right? So like, sure, yeah, for now, yeah, that's a, that's a real issue that then doesn't fit with the skill development thing. But ideally, that shouldn't be the case, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Well, well I think you, you still that need a way, you know, you, we still need to value output because that's kind of how you communicate with the world um i think the way that i reason about skills development mainly is that most of the work that i do i couldn't have done a year ago because i didn't have the skills like to to actually create really good papers and in the end what you'll if you want to stay in academia what you want to be doing is really creating something new you know doing something completely novel or onto a novel subject or with a novel method or with some novel statistics. And there you need the skills because the, the only way you can create something new is to really know what you're doing in the first place. And then naturally when you're leaving academia, if you're leaving academia, then skills are also really crucial. So I think that it's for me in the current situation, I think it is it is naturally kind of a difficult thing to manage to have both papers and skills development but I often find like if I would be doing my PhD again I'd invest a lot more at the beginning in skills development because then I think it will lead you to write better papers and in the end it's the quality of the papers that count hopefully um, and not the number yeah but do you think that part of your um, part of sort of that that's sort of that struggle of um, combining the output pressures with also wanting to um, develop skills is because there's not a lot of support mm. in lots of institutions for that skill development part of things. Yeah, I think I think there should be a lot more. I think institutions 
I find they often you you see whether you're completely replaceable because when they don't invest in in your skills development, you know, if you're seen as a paper writing machine or a sort of research assistant that can then be thrown out at some stage when you're too old <laughs> uh, or like, you, you know, I, I, I just find like, it, but it is true in that when institutions don't invest in skills development for postdocs, that, that does show that you're there to just help the, the PIs write papers. And then at some point, you're just expected to to leave and somehow fend for yourself in a world where those skills are then expected of you. You know, you're expected to have those skills, which you then haven't built. Um, so I I think that naturally having something included more in, in the general curriculum really helps. But I also think that just feeling less time pressured, like I had the best times for skills development during times when I was abroad uh, researching abroad where you feel like you don't have that day-to-day grindstone like you have I, I felt like I I only really managed to do the skills development when I feel like I have the time it's often a completely just mental thing you know yeah like it feels like an extra thing outside of what you're supposed to be doing yeah right to actually just gather more skills and get better at what you are doing which is really weird mm think you know i had a discussion about this uh last week with uh i think it was rudy from ghent um and from the sounds of it they really invest in this right so you've already got the kind of the the european system of phds are staff like they're actually well paid they're actually supported but also as part of that within it's kind of the expectation that they do a lot of um, skills development and visit other labs to learn things. And from from what he was telling me, I felt extremely jealous, <laughs> for one thing. Um, but also things like um, they, they have a system so that if you apply for a starter grant and don't get it, but still got good marks, then the department gives you the money for a year or gives you the money for a certain amount of time under the condition that you apply again. So even that means that they're kind of investing in keeping people on because they're they're putting the time and the resources into developing researchers, not into paper farming, I guess. Mm. Um, Beware that, where you start your PhD, guys. Yeah, but it's also you don't and know also, up front. Though, if right? I also, I'd be I'd be super interested to hear from anyone who's listening about where they, where they are and how how it works there. Mm. Totally not asking for a friend. Definitely asking for me here. <laughs> is is <laughs> like, there a particular are you place a, are you'd you in like a place? to hear about? <laughs> just, just all of them. Like, if, if you are at a university that um, really supports their PhD students, uh, where you get some fantastic skill development opportunities and just everything is great, where are you? <laughs> how can I go? How can I? How can I come join you? Yeah. <laughs> No, we, like as I, as I said, as I said last uh, in last week's episode as well, right? Like I'm, I'm currently putting quite a lot of thought into into this whole thing of, um, yeah, where where would I want to apply for mm-hmm. PhDs and stuff? And for, to, for me, that that skill development part and that general atmosphere thing is huge as a consideration, but also very difficult to actually find out about. Yeah, and I, I think, but then also for those listeners who are currently at institutions where there is not a lot of help, I think, you know, all is not lost. There is a lot of 
materials online, asking people over Twitter. Like I, I feel like I've managed to develop a lot of skills through networks um, and through just reaching out to people um, and using available resources. So um, don't despair if you're not in the situation that Sophia is in at the moment um, where you can re where you actually think where where to go but I think what I also well let's see how successful I am with yeah that. but yeah but bas- I mean basically your your point here is another little advertisement for the open science community as well I think because um, there I think again if, if you um, if you struggle uh, sort of understanding certain things or if you want to have more resources you just have to ask with the right kind of hashtags or tag the right kind of people and you'll get lots of really helpful responses. And then you don't need any anyone at your actual institution to be helpful. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I, I think, but... No, no, you go. I, well, before we go for our break, I wanted to cover just a bit more of um, things, responses we got. So I think something, another theme that I found in, in the responses of people who left academia giving advice was one person saying, you know, seriously examine what you are strong and weak at. And then also um, somebody else saying um, something about kind of being, well, I now can't find it, but something about being honest about how, how good you actually are and whether you know, whether academia works for you. Oh yeah, this one where, where it's uh, on line 17, if you aren't among the golden boys slash girls um, of your program, you will never be. Is yeah, that, that was that. So I'm, I'll read that out. If you aren't among the golden boys slash girls, for whatever reason, doesn't necessarily mean smartest of your program, you will <laughs> never be. So this is quite bleak. Sorry, guys. The judgments about you by your professors is a setup for your academic life first jobs are critical. Oh, is a setup for your academic life. First jobs are critical. If you are the golden student, the fight between administrators in your academic career can result in denied tenure. Then again, you may be among the few who thrive in spite of the games. That can only happen if you are fascinated by your research projects. Um, so I think both of them made me think about, well, on the one hand, being really brutally honest about kind of, yeah, what you're strong and weak at, how you, um, maybe rank to other people or what, what is your unique selling point in this academic game? Um, if I can use such businessy language and also maybe this importance of, I like the end of this importance to being fascinated by your research project though as well. I don't know what you guys thought of those two. Um, I, I mean, it's weird, right? Because it's a, it's a strange mixture of really bleak bleakness. And then the, the very end of this one, then being like, oh, but really it's all about the idealism, which I think they're like, this kind of sounds like they're kidding themselves again. Like, but like sort of, simultaneously being really bleak and honest and then going oh but really it's about you being fascinated by your research mm. like would would you agree that this i, I don't know to, to me this seems kind of contradictory it, yeah because it right because like, like if, if it's all games then it's not really about your fascination i mean i think it might be in the sense that you'd be more willing to put in an awful lot extra time and all that kind of stuff but 
the thing that it kind of lends itself to is the what I think is a really poor thing of advice of you have to be absolutely fascinated and your research should be your whole life because otherwise you can't succeed like it's quite a quick and easy route from that final line of the advice to that but I I, I think, feel like kind of like I don't I don't agree with all all the statement but I think that the way I see it as saying like every th- every step kind of predispo like it, it asks you to have that key level of motivation or fascination to do your research and then everything else is luck or serendipity or managing to be known by other professors and I, I do feel like I don't know I that probably fascination by your research is kind of a key thing because other people have said as well these things like you really need to think about whether you are willing to pay the price of staying in academia like you know I I don't I'm not being very coherent here but I I do agree with this underlying notion that you need to be interested in your research truly interested I I I totally agree with you, right? Like, I, I, would de- I would definitely also say that you really do need to be totally interested in it because otherwise, why are you doing it? And surely you're then, like, if you're not truly interested, then you surely, I don't know, I, I'd assume that you then also be um, more easily swayed by incentives that, that shouldn't sway you. But what, what, I would, what my point was, was that this very bleak view of academia is, is, is entirely a game doesn't really seem to fit in very well with oh but really it's all about the idealism you know yeah I I can see that I guess maybe it's uh... I think I think I guess it's like how you picture it um I think like it'd be very I I feel like having seen how academia works part of it is just a game but that's like any other job like any things will be down to chance or down to some senior person really finding a liking what you're doing or you meeting the right person or the job opening up at the exactly the right time and the right place and that's not just an academia that's everywhere like in the end you know that that will part of what you do will always be down to luck or the game or serendipity um, I think f- for us to not acknowledge that would be, I-, I think you need to acknowledge that because it is such a key part of any career. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I agree with all of that. I still wonder about this idea that sort of you have to be fascinated by it. Cause I just imagine, uh, say you're two years into a three or four year PhD and your supervisor retires and you've been thrown in with someone else, your research changes direction at some point, or or even just you've had a lot, you can't reproduce previous findings and you absolutely hate your research area, but you're trying to push into another one. Like there are gonna be times where you, you maybe just absolutely despise aspects of it. So I, I don't think we can quite say that you sort of have to be fascinated necessarily. I think it would help. But, like but not, I, I think so. Aren't those times exactly the times where you need that sort of base, like that that foundation of fascination? Because otherwise, you'll just 
throw yeah, I don't know, throw in the towel. Because it's not like fascination mm. with what you're doing at the moment. Is it just it just kind of if if it was like research in general, in general, then maybe. But if it's yeah. a specific topic, then I think it's kind of it's maybe yeah, sure. I mean, like any you you might want to go in a completely different direction or um, or something like that. Or or for me, looking back at my spending last year doing mixture of defending my thesis and correcting it, and just despising my first so many studies. And thinking I'm not excited by any of this, but I have to put in the effort and time as if I was absolutely fascinated by it to be able to move on to the stuff that I'm doing as side projects or starting up projects that I am more interested in. But that still means that you're fascinated by something, you know, that I think for me, it's something also about having a skin in the game of something that that keeps Mm. me in academia, like just a, a year or two ago, I could have easily moved away from academia. Um, but I think at some point you, you get that skin in the game, that thing that you can't just let somebody else do or that thing that you know if, if you don't do it, nobody else will or where you really want to contribute something to knowledge or to you know the, the way that science is done or the way that we understand things. And I think that's, that's what really fascinates me because then all of a sudden you have that kind of feelings of obligation to stay or I, I don't know, that's that's how I felt. Maybe we're, we're all having very different experiences here. No, I, I think it's, it's maybe just something that's about the framing of it or, mm. or different times within, uh, within the process, I suppose. Um, but I guess it's also, it all comes back to these kind of checks and balances, not checks and balances, like the seesaw of uh, a mixture between incentives and do I have X, Y, Z, to stay in academia versus mm. so like fascination isn't everything you still need all the other stuff mm. or a huge degree of luck or whatever um, so it's a huge balancing act of chance yeah so related to this I got some very good advice I think like slightly odd advice or different from what you usually get um, in I think March in Utrecht at this uh, reflections and replication workshop. It was, it was great. I mean, it was sort of philosophers of science and psychologists. Fantastic. But anyway, um, and uh, uh, Christopher Green, who's also on Twitter, um, gave me the advice that you you shouldn't do a PhD in order to get the academic job at the end of it, because in the, it, yeah, depending on the field, it looks really, really bleak. But even um, just even just in any field, it's it's not great. Um, but instead, you should do a P, you should do that PhD because you want to be the person who manages to make it through the PhD, and um, because you are so excited about your topic that you do want to push through with this for three or four or in American in the American system even longer years. And I don't know. I found that I found that funny because. That's not usually what people tell you, right? People don't go, oh, yeah, you should do a PhD because you want to be the person who has managed to do it. Because that sounds kind of self-referential. But I think it makes a lot of sense, actually, because that way there's not this weird thing of, oh, this is all um, about then getting on the job market, but more this is about the actual endeavor of doing the PhD. I don't know. I mean, I found it, I found it interesting and um, kind of nice advice. What do you think? Well, I think we can reflect on it over the 
break um, <laughs> because we don't want to be keeping our listeners for too long. So yeah, let's have a think and um, see you at the other end. You are listening to Reproducibility, serving you discussions of important issues in science and psychology one mug of tea at a time. Do you like the taste of our podcast? Give us a follow on Twitter at Reproducibility, rate us on iTunes, and tell other early career researchers about us. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can reach us on Twitter or via our email address, which is reproducibility at gmail.com. Over the next weeks, we will also release some special tea flavors, which are small podcast episodes talking to a wide range of psychological researchers, especially awesome ECRs that we want you to meet. If you have someone you think should come on the show, send us a message. Welcome back to episode 10 of Reproducibility. Um, Sophia just left us with some things to mull about, about why you should be doing a PhD in the first place and yeah we've we've been mulling it mulling it over ourselves um it's it's an interesting perspective isn't yeah, it I quite like it um and then there's there's been other stuff I guess recently that have said similar in the sense that the purpose of doing I mean any any degree I suppose isn't strictly speaking because you'll get that job at the end like you don't do a phd to get a professorship or i do something else uh well it'd be like it'd be like being an analyst at a bank like a very beginning to well i know that that metaphor doesn't work because i want to say like to become the ceo like but like in i think i think the chance of getting a professorship is so low anyways that I don't really agree. That's actually really nice. That's actually a really nice analogy, right? Because in, in other jobs, you do have all of these different hierarchy jobs. Whereas in academia, it's kind of like if you don't, after a while of doing postdocs, if you then don't move on to the next stage, you're kind of done, which is super scary. Yeah, and, and, then, and then at the lower stage, if, if, as a PhD, if, you, if you finish your PhD and you don't manage to get a postdoc uh, after some after a certain amount of time, you're also done. Right, that's that's different from other well, things. yeah, and I, I think I've been reflecting a lot about that because my partner is a lawyer, and for for I find like our experiences are really really different because it it'd be like the only way he can continue his career to become like senior partner at a major law firm or like a smaller law firm, while for him like <laughs> if things don't work out, he can just move firms or he can move into slightly different jobs or. Um, still will be a lawyer at like a lower level you know you don't need to make partner because that's also you know probably a 0.5 percent chance like we have to make a professorship but then like naturally we also have the opportunities to move and do other things but like it somehow feels like everybody's there thinking about okay the only way I can even stay in this game is to become a professor I don't know Oh, actually, that that ties in quite nicely to um, another message we got on Twitter, doesn't it? Um, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm derailing this too much. Then, because we had this message from someone who who said that they um, are actually just like 
they did a PhD, I think, and then became a lab manager. Was it was it this was it this person uh, who who yeah, then yeah, yeah, felt like slightly too. between yeah who felt who both um, felt more secure than they did before, but are also feeling kind of in between worlds now because it's not seen as right like, like you're not you're not a PhD student but you're also not a postdoc or professor you're kind of in this in between in this in between world. Yeah, uh, and. I think that in that again ties in really well with other comments we got about kind of moving into other research jobs. Like we had some people who were doing research in industry. Um, and again, where you might be able to have the best of both worlds, like um, we don't really know and we don't get told about this a lot. But for example, somebody um, said that their main advice is for ECRs to explore their options. I think both research and academia and industry should exist and can feed into each other. For example, I rely on the academic literature to generate hypotheses, though I do not use papers from the p-hacking area. And then also says, I have a lot of friends in academia who speak of research in the industry, like you sell your soul to the devil in bold and in a dismissive tone, like you cannot do the research you want there. I laugh about it. Because I know better, again in bold, but I can, <laughs> but I can imagine. I, I, I added those bolds. That was not oh, from the person okay. originally. That oh, was for like me that. so that I would find it again. Oh. <laughs> just, <laughs> just so that the person, if they're, if they're listening, doesn't think like, I didn't scream this. <laughs> I liked it. Ah. But it worked. It was, it it worked, was like right? it you made it, it. emphasizable. Um, but I can imagine <laughs> that UCLs would feel discouraged by this collective dismissal. Um, and then there was the next comment fits into that nicely as well. The business world looks down on academics and the academic world doesn't appreciate you enough, which is bleak. bleak yeah. Um, most companies think having a PhD without work experience is a negative. Which is why, again, the European version of, um, you know, PhDs being staff mm. and um, paying into pension things. I don't know enough about that to actually say anything, but it sounds like something. <laughs> paying into pension things <laughs> is good. <laughs> yes, um, money when you're old. Yeah, and nice. Then the last comment we also got was quality of research exists outside of academia, um, mm. and something I really liked was one of them, which says. You're in a tiny bubble. Don't let it eat you. <laughs> but it, it, it kind of makes me feel so uneducated because, like, I don't know what research and industry is. Like, like I, I know people who do research in charities and re research in business and who are in my research area, but I'm still, yeah, I am prone to look down on them, probably in a sort of cognitive dissonance because I know that I get paid a lot less and I'm you know, in a really unstable working environment. And, I, and then I tell myself, oh, that's because I'm doing it for the public good, you know, because I want to openly communicate what I find. And this is a key part of who I am. But then also I have no clue what industry, like what is research in industry? I keep on thinking of like a factory and like somebody in a lab coat running around it. And I know it's not like that, but I do feel like it's, it's just the big unknown for me. Like, I didn't even know where to start if I would want to look into research and industry. 
Yeah. Maybe people could tell us about that. <laughs> Where to start? What to actually... Like, what should you know? Because that's, that's one of my feelings. The, the longer you're in academia, and even by the end of a, a PhD, you're, you're already, especially if you have it in mind to stay, you're already very much kind of pinpoint focus on this is what I need to achieve to stay in academia um, which I think is is maybe a problem because then you miss out a lot of other stuff yeah but then like the only chance you'll have to stay in this is the thing the only chance you have to stay in academia is to put everything behind it you know like that's what yeah. I feel at the moment is like, like I like I really want to make this work and I feel like I need to put all of my all of me behind this goal because it's so difficult that like but then I feel like I need to be really honest with myself and see like will I make it is what I'm trying to do is that realistic you know how how much work should I be putting into x and y and so um we need to we need to think about that more yeah, no, because I guess I guess uh, after a while, it's not like you have your summers to do internships and um, sort of play the field, trying to understand well what what else is out there, right? Because because as you say, you have to kind of put everything into it. Welcome back to Reproducibility episode ten. Um, getting kicked out of your meeting room is not as exciting as having your wife deliver a baby as in everything hurts <laughs> um, but yeah we hope that you um excuse our second break because um some neuroscientists decided to have their lab meeting in our room um, well, they, they, we decided to have our, our Skype call in a room where they want to have their lab meeting. Um, nah, definitely the other, the other way around. Yeah. Who cares about sure. these people? Open science takes precedence. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is, is a bit annoying they because they could have waited for an additional five minutes and then we would have wrapped up our episode anyways. I think, um, we're all getting a bit depressed talking about the job market. Um... But it'll be fine. I tell myself. Any other kind of take-home messages, reflection from what we read? Anything that we didn't cover? I guess I'm. I'm. Well, I mean, I, for, yeah. No, sorry. Go ahead. Um, for some of these people, so like the the people that you tend to hear about that are sort of very happy that they've left the folk that have gone into stuff stuff like data science for example where it's kind of quite highly paid you kind of get uh, I think like one of the people had said in the response you kind of get all of the benefits of academia without kind of getting any of the drawbacks um, I guess I wonder um, and partly looking at myself um, is how much prep work they did during their academic career to to move into industry um, mm. so so similar to what, what kind of Amy was starting to say earlier when you're when you want to stay in academia you kind of focus so much on what you need to do to stay in academia 
that there's probably a lot of opportunities or training or experiences that you're missing out on because you don't have that focus on leaving. So I kind of wonder if there's also a bit of survivorship bias for the people that are very happy that they left academia because I think for some of them, I, I have to imagine that it was kind of part of the plan. Um, and I'm kind of talk mean this in the context of I, I like to think that I have some transferable skills in the sense that I know a bit of programming, I can write things, um, but that's very different, I think, from taking full courses and doing, uh, see, see some people with data science blogs, for example, posting all their stuff that you kind of think actually they could easily move into something outside of academia. Um, whereas I feel like I don't have that strategy as much as I'm highly aware that chances are I'm not going to be in academia for kind of a full career. Yeah, I was wondering the same thing because, I mean, we, we have one question that asks whether they're happy they left. And apart from one person who said that that's too big of a counterfactual to evaluate, which I loved as a response, um, and one person who said that no, because they missed their creative environment, everyone said yes so much. I'm like, this, this is the best thing I've ever done. And then also relatedly in the advice, tell people to leave. So I do assume that people who responded to this, um, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe it just genuinely is so much better outside. So we but get survivorship I guess, like, if, bias. If, if, you, if you see it again yeah right i do i do agree with this because if again i guess if you um if you see a survey that asks for um the experiences of people who left academia you're not going to send that to the person who's really hating their life now you're going to send that to the person that you know oh yeah hey i know person x and they're having the greatest time they should really tell them um their experiences you know um, but I don't know, but at, at the same time, I, I do think that we are in a better position than maybe some other disciplines when it comes to um, transferable skills that actually might land you a job afterwards. Um, I mean, I don't know that, obviously, because I'm not, <laughs> I mean, I'm not at all in industry and not even properly in academia, but I do, I would assume that having that sort of that bit of programming, you know, um, some numerical skills, um, that those are the kind of things that are just much easier to market yourself with in, in, in other jobs. Even though I, I, I probably also, like, as, as these people say, um, it might actually be a disadvantage to have gone to the PhD. You do just have more of a sort of broader base to build on. Yeah, I guess I guess the big question is yes, you know, we we ventured into this question and into these episodes because we wanted to overcome survivorship bias and get a broader viewpoint, but the real hmm. question is did we manage naturally we got more diverse views, but do they still represent the whole diversity of what's out there and, and the true story? And I guess this is down to our listeners and um, to to make up your own minds and for us to make up our minds as well um but in general we hope this was helpful for 
our listeners um, and it has definitely been helpful for us to reflect about this. I think reflection is key um, to make sure that you're making the decisions that, you know, that you're making informed decisions throughout the time as an ECR where you make so many decisions about your future, oftentimes not really knowing what the consequences will be. Um, So yeah, it's a great pleasure to wrap up this kind of two episode endeavor into the world outside of academia and yes if any person wants to tell us more about what industry research actually entails um do get in touch um and if not tune into our next episode where we'll be back fully into the world of academia and improving science in general thank you for listening bye bye